Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. This week, we're going to be wrapping up our Red Carnations on a Black Grave adventure. As a reminder, if you enjoyed these episodes, you can check out the Kickstarter and pre-order your copy of this game now. This Saturday, we're going to be doing the first campaign live show in Chicago at Stage 773, teaming up with our friends, the Cryptid Keeper podcast. Campaign is going to open with a special episode and performances from guest performers that you will love to see. I think we still have a handful of tickets left. Uh, Grab them up before they're gone. Those tickets will also help you enjoy the Cryptid Keeper live show immediately after. And who doesn't need to know more about cryptids? Speaking of other cool live things we've got coming up on Friday the 19th at 5 p.m. Central Time, Darcy Ross and I are going to be doing a stream together, partly to promote my new book, The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide, and the Monty Cook Your Best Game Ever product series. Darcy and I are going to be talking about GM and player technique and taking listener questions live on stream. You can get that and more one-shot goodness over at twitch.tv slash one-shot-rpg. I think that's enough announcements for now. I'll see you in the mid-roll, heroes. I suppose it's only appropriate. Yeah, I guess you get to go now. Yeah, Yeah, three in a row. Interesting to week. Oh, okay. Actually, I know what this is going to be. This is going to be uh, a scene with uh, Tariq and uh, Louise because oh, we are uh, on the relationship. Improbable friends. Yes. Yeah, we're imp- whatever that means. <laughs> Where do I find you, Louise? Louise has moved closer to uh, the fortifications. She is uh, she's just sort of so there's probably like a guard, there are guard posts scattered around the city and she's just sitting in one scribbling notes down on, uh, on her desk. All right. I, Is it so, late at night or something? Or Yeah, let's say that. It's dark. And I think the whole commune is in that sort of uneasy sleep. <laughs> I think so. You're, you're looking down and writing and a gun drops on the table. If it's defective, I, take it to the commissary. Louise. My God, Tariq. Why are you dropping a gun on my desk? I didn't feel like holding it. Okay. I sit down beside you. One moment. And she turns and like opens up the little, this, you know, the little tin stove that's next to it, stokes it up for a minute and puts a kettle on top. If I had known you were coming, I would have had the tea ready already. I didn't know I was going to be coming either. You don't find me late at night unless you have something to talk to me about. <laughs> unless unless well, you're going to tell me more about growing up in Algeria, because I'm very interested in that. I was going to say once a teacher, always a teacher. Well, somebody has to teach, don't they? Because clearly nobody knows anything about what they're doing. And she just sort of smiles ruefully. Tell me, Louise, what do you believe? I believe that the future is perfectible. I believe that one day no human being shall need to want. I believe that that the world is a beautiful and frightening and always enlarging place. I believe that we live in a garden, not not the Garden of Eden from from the story tales, but a real garden, a garden that men and women have to work in to maintain. 
I believe that some people try and take that garden and keep it for themselves, and that one day they will not be allowed to any longer. That day may not be this day. Is that what you want on your tombstone? Oh, I've already written a poem for my tombstone. Have you? You should give it to me. Actually, I may die before you. (laughs) Well, we read it to each other then. I don't have anything. Just my name. That's all anyone ultimately ever has, Tariq. I mean, how do you think they're going to remember me? I leave no husband and no child behind me. I'll be barely remembered. What are they going to do? Name a, name a square after me in the city? Please. They could. Yes, I suppose, I suppose they'll name a railroad station after me, too. Perhaps make some great monument to me. Why not to you? We can make any sort of monument. I'm not French. Ah, you're a citizen of our republic, though. Tariq Tanuji, first citizen of the commune. It could happen. (laughs) If that goes on my tombstone, this would all be worth it. I'll let you in on a little secret, citizen Tariq. First citizen of the commune. I think it may end up being worth it. Just maybe not for us. I stopped being afraid to die a while ago. How about you? How's that? How are you holding up on the whole imminent death front? It's not a problem, but I don't know if I, you know, the closer you get to death, the more you start wondering about your decisions. Yeah, I didn't set out to be uh, remembered as great celibate of history, but. (laughs) We can fix that. My Tariq, I had no idea that you cared so much. My eyes were set upon another. Hmm. Alas, well, they're one of your comrades. I know who it is. (laughs) You're not subtle, Citizen Louise. (laughs) Well, as a teacher, subtlety was not one of my great virtues, I suppose. I don't know what to say to you. I don't. Have I ever asked you to say anything that you didn't feel? I suppose not. I have students. I have correspondents. Do you know that I've been reading Shakespeare in English? I don't understand. Well, one day it might be important to be able to speak English. Also, I don't (laughs) understand about half of it. Yes. That is why we follow you. It's because of your strange ideas. My whole purpose, Citizen Tariq, has been to try and make everyone see that they're not that strange. But... Louise, do you believe in the goodness of people? I don't agree with Rousseau that people are good until they are corrupted. But I think people can be corrupted. I think we would all be better if we weren't so afraid that if we were better, people would just take everything from us. I think we all lose so much that we should maybe concentrate on remembering that. I have seen people who were treated so little like people They forgot that themselves. I don't agree with you that there is some kind of goodness. But I will fight for you because you're my friend. I'll fight for you because you're my comrade and my friend. Because our struggle is the same. Maybe it is, Luis. Maybe it is. Nice scene. Cool. So right here, we need to do another montage like we did before. One last chance to check in on all these characters on the eve of the bloody week. 
And then we get to do the uh, Bloody Week, which I'll explain after we do our readings for that. But uh, for now, I guess we can just uh, start off in the same order. So uh, we'll do two rounds, hit all of our characters, just like last time, and we can start with Adira. Okay. Um, so late at night by lamplight, um, you're in Marie's home. Uh, she is pulling a box from underneath one of the beds. She pulls it out and sets it on the bed next to her and opens it up. Inside are a number of papers. They're all written in German. And Marie is sorting through all of them like she's looking for something. And then she finds admittance papers to Prussia for herself and her dead husband. Right, me. We see uh, Camille out on the streets. He's looking for someone. And finally, um, he stops in front of a, a stoop, leans down quickly and writes a quick sign in chalk, and then straightens back up and hopes that... Uh, and hopes that who the remaining police who are underground in the city remember that this is a dead drop. <laughs> we see people hurriedly pass through the town square, and the camera kind of goes down to the ground. In a small basement window, we see the eyes of Felix Vincent. We follow him inside this small basement room. A candle has been melted almost all the way down. He has the beginnings of scabbing, of some sort of fight on his face and his arms, and he is pacing. So we see Dominique, and she is passed out asleep in front of a washing tub. And you can see, like, there are just scraps of clothing that she was desperately trying to clean enough in some way to use as bandages. I think inside her apartment, there are a bunch of lines that have been hung up uh, drying. And it looks, like, very grim because I think there's at a point where she's boiling uh, used bandages uh, to try and reuse them because she's out of other options. And she was in the middle of like washing a piece. So there's, there's some damp fabric that, that's sitting on her um, as she's just sleeping utterly exhausted. And in Josephine and Jean's home, uh, she is also sitting in front of a tub and scrubbing Jean's uniform along with his shirt that she has cut. Her face is stoic and her hands are methodical but you can tell by how pink and swollen her hands are that she has been going at it for way too long. And behind her is the same bag that she was packing before. Ooh. Mind if I incorporate Lodoiska, James? Oh, go for it. So I think we see uh, Amanda and Lodoiska uh, in bed, just cuddling, spooning, walking their fingers along each other's bodies and trying to get some amount of peace. Yeah. So our very arty director would intercut a scene of Louise riding ink by candlelight and a scene of her at night helping push like cannons into position on one of the barricades and climbing up them. And the voiceover is her reading from one of her poems. Brother, if I should go at last into a cold and a black tomb, with fall on my grave like hope's past, 
some red carnations all in bloom. Uh, you see Jean watching over kind of military drills. He's in a uniform that's a little bit tighter than he would like it to be. There are just no sign of presence in that moment. His mind is clearly elsewhere. I think we see Lodoiska. There's kind of a barricade that is half put up. It's not in front of the door because obviously they need to leave and enter the home. But there is just a stack of things that could be pushed over onto and in front of the door to their home that Lodoiska is kind of securing. And I think she's like got a knife out and is whittling like kind of a sharp spike onto something that used to be the leg of a stool. Um, And there's just anger like all through her. Every muscle feels like it's tensed and and clenched. And she's just watching the wood shavings fall to the floor. When we see uh, Camille, uh, it's almost right after uh, he he makes the, the the chalk uh, drawing, mm-hmm. and he runs out of whatever side street that he was in. Um, we can the the camera pulls back to uh, Tariq, uh, just sitting on top of a, a building and looking down and watching Camille run down the street, presumably to go home. And then he sighs and flops down and looks at the sky. Okay. Are we all ready for, uh, for this? Mm, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Next act is Act 3, May 22nd through May 28th, 1871, of the Bloody Week. The mood is frenzied, violent, and morbid. And Agatha, you get to uh, read. On May 21st, the army invaded Paris. The communard defended the city from street barricades, but without organization, each section fighting on its own. The city burned from shelling or revenge. The Tuileries Palace, Tuileries Palace, once home to the emperor, the Hotel de Ville, the Palais Royal were all destroyed by the flames. The army massacred anyone they thought was part of the commune. The bourgeois of the city happily denounced their neighbors to the vengeance of the government. May 28th, the last survivors surrendered at dawn. Many were executed. Over 40,000 prisoners were imprisoned at Camp Satterie outside Versailles. The commune was over. Okay. French. I'm so sorry, but I figured you were Canadian and could handle it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I took French to grade seven. (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. Uh, So I have uh, dealt out some uh, Bloody Week cards. They are not as much fun as as the other cards. So let's see what we've got. We've got there in the city. The streets are flooded with panicked people as the Versailles troops march closer and closer. Les Petrovus. Uh, Versailles troops are taking away several women, accusing them of having used gasoline bombs to set buildings on fire. A crowd gathers, loudly protesting their innocence. And then, uh, hey, the Tuileries Palace burns. The Tuileries Palace, home to both Louis XVI and Napoleon III, is burned by the commune in advance of the Versailles troops. But I also need to tell you about some of the things that are going to happen now. 
In this act, one of our characters must die at some point. So you can uh, narrate this as part of your scene. You can, uh, if it's okay with the person whose turn it is, if your character wants to die in that scene and you're in it, that's okay. You can totally do that. Um, you can also just do it off stage. All these are fine. Uh, it's never necessary to use your scene to uh, do the death scene. However, many people enjoy that, and I'm not here to uh, to get in, get in the way of your fun. Um, That's one of each of ours? Yes, one yeah. of each. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 50% casualties, guaranteed. Um, so we're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're going to we're going to do this and uh, I'll start and then we'll go around and then we'll do our five scenes and then we'll go on to the terrible choice that you'll have to make in the epilogue. So, I think I need Tariq in this scene. Mhm. So, I think Camille finds Tariq up on top of that building Jeez. and he's carrying his pistol. It's like, "Cat." I know I'm the worst. Whoa. You are. I'm the worst. It's like treak, treak, treak. Hmm. Oh, Camille, what are you doing here? I have to tell you something. It's bad, but then it, it it ends up in a good place. So I think I think you'll be happy overall. All right, start from the beginning. All right. You know that. You know that Mama. Um. Well, her business is her business is her business, right? But it's a business that the, the police never really liked very much right is she in danger no 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 i'm i'm just this is all prelude Tariq. i'm sorry i'm working my way through this this is difficult for me to say all right because i don't know maybe you'll think less of me when i say it but the bribes that mom mama needed to pay the police were horrible they were starving us from our bread so i i made a deal with the police and I just used to tell them things that I saw. And sometimes it was about... Wait, you... Wait, hold, hold on, hold on. I need, I need to sit down. And <laughs> I, I sit down on a barrel. You've been informing on people. Inform is such a... I mean, yes, but like usually it was for things that were really bad. Like, you know, I used to see people, you know, they pick pockets at Marie's. Or, or you know, people who would who would try and fool drunks into giving them money, that sort of thing. And then sometimes, sometimes people would, you know, have political meetings or things, and no one ever pays attention to a kid. But I tried not to do anything bad. It was just they were starving us, Tariq. But, 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 so I, I agree. What I did was not in the spirit of 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 the revolutionary consciousness. I think is what Louise called it. All right. But but is, but is this what you wanted to tell me? No. What I'm telling you is this is going to help us. Because because now the police left Paris when we took over. Some of them are still here. They had a lot of spies on the payroll. I mean, you know, they had me. There were other people yes. like that. So I left yes, them. they had you. I left a message last night that they could come and arrest some people from the commune. You yeah. what? It's not true. I just want them to come down that alley because me and Jean-Pierre and Thomas and Guy well, not Guillaume, he's staying home with his mother, his sister's sick. 
but but then but Guillaume's older sister, the one who was going to get married last year, but then her husband ran away, and then she married. She was dating that Prussian guy who came into town. Anyway, yes, yes, yes. she's going to be there, and we've all got guns. And what do you expect to do? We're going to soon. I saw them take the message last night. They're going to where is Lodoriska? I don't know. She's probably off fighting or. She and my mom were talking all night last night. I, I don't, I, I didn't want to stay around for that. So, but the point is, is they're going to be down in that alley. They're coming. And if you're there, you can help us. I will go there. Go find Lodoriska first. No, no. I've got to go and tell Thomas and Jean-Pierre and, and, and Guillaume's sister. And Listen, go tell Lodoriska that I will be there. Tell, tell him what you told me without all of that prelude. And <laughs> tell him to be there. No, Lodoisco won't understand anything. She's not like you. And I, I, I put my head in my hand uh, in clearly with an expression of I have made a mistake. <laughs> And I, instead, I, all right. And I, I lift you up so that I'm carrying you. And I walk towards Amanda's home. You don't have to carry me. I don't, I can walk on my own. I'm not, I'm not a little child. You are not, but we need to have that conversation. But I don't want to have that conversation. I want to take care of I know of you don't. Okay, well, Kimi tries to slip off your shoulders then. Uh, I smack you in the back of your head with my hand. Sit still. Can't carry you with you wiggling around. You're not my father. What are you giving me orders for? And uh, desperately trying, desperately climbing down off your shoulders. All right, we are walking down the street and I am yelling for Lodoiska. Lodoiska! Lodoiska! Your, your child is trying to run away. I don't think Lodoiska is like close enough to hear. Like there's fighting, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm yelling this and I'm walking towards Amanda's place. And I'm just shouting for Lodoiska, shouting for Amanda. And while holding a struggling Camille, who is not as strong as me. I think you see... Um, since you're like walking towards Amanda's place, once you get nearby there, I think you do see Amanda like in the window look confused. And then like there's a large sort of clamor as she tries to push things out of the way of the door and like looks out at this whole thing very confused. And now here's where I pull my narrative authority card. Yeah, you do. So no, you don't find Lodoiska, but you know what you do find? A bunch of guys wearing tricolor armbands wrapped around their sleeve, carrying guns, and they're obviously rich people who have now been enlivened, you know, emboldened by the attack by the army. And one of them points at Camille and says, There's the little bastard who tried to set us up. And I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut it right there. Ooh. <sighs> okay. 
That's bad. No, it does not look good for Camille. Just, no. just going to say, flat out, it does not look good for Camille. Okay. What do those bands look like? Uh, they're the French flag, the, uh, the red, white, and blue. Red, white, and blue. Yeah, the, uh, the commune used a red flag as you know, the flag of revolution. and the, So the okay. tricolor became associated with the conservatives. See, we see a band of maybe like 15 of those adorned folks walk down a small road. And as they walk past, you see the feet dragged into an alleyway. And as we pan into the alleyway, we see frantically looking around Felix as he pulls off the jacket and throws it over his, as he licks his palms and pushes his hair down. And in his frantic caution, which isn't really caution at all, (laughs) he's approached from behind by Marie. Yeah. Felix, Felix. (laughs) Hmm? Uh, No, no. He he turns around, puts his arm, crosses his arms, but does it very awkwardly to cover up (laughs) his forearms. is like brandishing some papers. I can get us out. Hmm? I can get us out of Paris. I don't, I don't need to leave Paris. What do you mean you don't need to leave Paris? <laughs> Have you looked at the city right now? All I do is look at the city. All I do is... Birds haven't been here in forever. Albert was a Prussian spy. What? During the you war. can't throw this on me right now. <laughs> He spied for the I cocked this guy on the head. <laughs> I took his coat. Do you see this coat? Yes. It's much nicer than any coat I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I searched and searched for one of these guys who was about the same size as me. Because I knew if I just picked one, it was probably going to be too big or too small. But I found one. I did all this work. And now you're telling me you have paper? Yes. And you're throwing Albert into this thing? Well, Albert is dead. So you would have to pretend to be Albert. Albert, you say. There's a quiet poetry of a man pretending to be another man. Which, of course, is what I'm doing already. Yes, Felix. Would you like to live? Would I like to pretend to be another man? I need a man. I can't do this myself. No one's going to let me in. I need an album. You do just fine by yourself. You're the toast of the town. Of course you could be fine. Here in Paris. Oh, I see what you're saying. I will be shot if I stay here. We will all be shot. So I have to drop this character. Become Adam. Albert. Albert. (laughs) And his eyes are frantically searching for something to focus on. And he finally lands on the papers in your hand. Those are good as a ticket out of here. Yes. Are they a ticket out of here? Yes. Literally? Well... That's more this. And she pulls out and it looks like some sort of, uh, like a wagon ticket, basically. How long have you been planning this? <laughs> because I've been tracking people all day, one who looked the same as me, to take their jacket with one of these fancy bands. I've been planning this for around six weeks. Six weeks? Yes. The tickets for if we get searched outside of Paris, to get out of the city, we're going to be under some cabbages. Cabbages, you say? Yes. There's a quiet poetry to a man hiding underneath cabbages. <laughs> I prefer the poetry of life. 
the greatest poem of all. Breathe in, breathe out. Come on, husband. (laughs) (laughs) Now I like it. (laughs) You're a very good poet. Let's do it. Come on. And they go. He tosses the jacket off, tosses it over the guy he conked on the head. Looks back, grabs the jacket again, takes the armband off, puts the jacket on because it is a nice coat. In a way. <laughs> Marie just sort of silently shakes to herself, I needed a patsy. <laughs> <laughs> and as they walk down the tiny alcove, there's a stirring and someone gets up and rubs the back of their head. Ow. <laughs> Cut there. Good. <laughs> I think we see Lodowiska at one of the barricades. It has been cobbled together. It has been piled as high as it possibly can with the resources that they had. There's just so much street to cover and so little to build a solid barricade with. The fight is not over yet, but Lodowiska, who has a lot of fighting experience, looking around can tell. And there are flashbacks to other revolutions that did not work out. Even though this part of the fight is not over, Lodowiska knows that it is lost. And all they can think of having this realization and feeling these flashbacks is Amanda and Camille. And so they leave, they turn. There aren't enough soldiers there to prevent someone from moving away from their post. And Lodowiska runs back, runs back to their little apartment complex. I I have to ask Kat, is Felix alive or dead in the street? Camille? Camille? Oh yeah, Camille. Yeah, goodness. Felix. Felix, Felix got out. Why poetry and living on forever? Mm-hmm. Uh, Felix, I... a.k.a. Albert? Oh, yes. 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 Oh, yes. You, you know, he forgets that. <laughs> I think the only question is, uh, did Amanda, was Amanda alive or Tariq alive to bring Camille's body up into the apartment? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I think... I think... Oh, go ahead. I think it should be Tariq. I think Tariq is definitely alive and has to, yeah, has to carry Camille. Yeah, so if Camille is dead, I think Lodoiska arrives. They look around and look up to the window and and then see like these these police moving about you know that they've they've rallied that whatever whatever plan Camille had to gank them in an alley didn't quite work out and Lodoiska I, I don't even think knows that that Camille has fallen when when they die because uh, Lodoiska only saw these police and only saw their home the the place that protects the people that they love and they fought and I could tell you that they fought for hours. I could tell you that they killed dozens of people or, or something ridiculous like hundreds. But it doesn't matter because whatever they did in this moment, however many people they fought, it wasn't enough. 
eventually, Lodoiska is overtaken and falls in the street alongside many other people who didn't have the fortune of training. And that's where their story ends. Hey comrades, it's James, your Game Master. Welcome to the mid-roll. Things sure are getting tense for our French commune. I can't wait until one of us casts Fireball. Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody who's attending that we are going to be going to Gen Con this year. And most of your favorite one-shot shows are going to be running panels, events, and games. You can find those by going to the event section of the Gen Con site and searching for One Shot Podcast. Now, plenty of our events have sold out, but there are still a few left, including our campaign and Neo Scum live shows. So be sure to get tickets for those while you still can. Speaking of live shows with limited tickets, this weekend on July 6th, we're going to be doing a campaign live show here in Chicago, and we're doing it alongside our friends, the Cryptid Keepers. We still have a very small handful of tickets left for that that you can get by going to bit.ly slash cryptcamlive. That's bit.ly slash C-R-Y-P-T-C-A-M live. And when I say a handful, I do mean there are less than 10 left. So if you've been thinking about it, now is the time to get them. Heroes, this year I wrote a book on RPG technique. That's both playing and GMing games. It's called The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide, and you can pre-order it right now. If you like my work on One Shot or Campaign, and you listen to those shows because you want to find new ways to play, this book is going to be a great resource for you. I'm really proud of the work that I put into it, and my hope is it helps people cultivate their own personal playing styles. If you're curious, you can head over to bit.ly slash ultimate gameplay and check it out for yourself. And if you do plan on getting this book, I really recommend pre-ordering. It's going to help me out a lot. You can pre-order through Amazon by following that bit.ly link, or major retailers like Barnes & Noble by giving them a call, and even pre-order through your friendly local brick-and-mortar stores by walking in the door or picking up the phone. Heroes, coming up this Wednesday, we have a new episode of Campaign Skyjacks. And folks, it's a good one. If you haven't caught up in Skyjacks yet, I recommend you do it soon. We're about to hit some wild episodes. You can do that by heading to your favorite podcast app and searching for Campaign or James D'Amato. And folks, we have this episode of Skyjacks this week thanks to our backers on Patreon. Because of all of you, we were able to hit $8,500 a month, which means we're able to pay our editor, Casey Tony for a weekly show. And before we get back to this week's episode of One Shot, I wanted to take some time and thank some of our Patreon backers individually. Kayla Foch, thank you. Lana Sorensen, thank you so much. Jacob Wilberg, thank you. Deanna Minasian, thank you so much. Ryan Hockley, thank you so much, Ryan. Kai Strom, thank you. Joseph Holtgren, thank you so much. Akoli, thank you. Josie Baker, thank you very much. AJ Jagel, thank you. Too Big, Too Chungus, thank you very much. Trenton Price, thank you so much, Trenton. Christopher T. Paradin, thank you. The Granger Zone, thank you very much. Brody Williams, thank you so much. Nicholas Slows. Reed Hadley, thank you so much. Sam Perkis, thank you. Sebastian Hensel, thank you very much. And Zach Reynolds, thank you so much for your support. And thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. If you want to join their ranks, you can head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to give us a small amount of money each month. 
That money helps these podcasts going by paying for editing, hosting, renting our studio, and of course, paying for performers and artists. We love what we do over here at OneShot, and we wouldn't be able to do any of it without your support. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. All right. Let me look at these prompt cards again. Um... Versailles, oh, les pétroles. Versailles are taking away several women, accusing them of having used gasoline bombs to set buildings on fire. A crowd gathers, loudly protesting their innocence. Great. Um, oh, Josephine. <laughs> yeah, Josephine. Oh, okay, so, okay. What does this sound like? There is the sound of chaos all throughout the city. There's, it's a constant noise, almost like, it could almost be a hum if if you don't smell the scent of fear and th- this frenzied cruelty um, that is going on all around the city. And in the midst of this, uh, there are several women being led in a procession. Their hands are tied behind their backs, and there are uh, there's a rope tying one to the next person. So they are in a line. And in the middle of them is Josephine mm. uh, with looking even worse for wear. And there's, there's a bit of a blood stain um, uh, on her sleeves and a bit on her chest as well. Uh, she, it's hard to tell, but she doesn't appear to be injured. Those seem to be the blood of someone else. And her hair has almost completely fallen out of her bun. She is walking with that same stoic look down the street. And following our tradition, I believe this is where Zhang... (laughs) Oh, brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a crowd starting to form around. How many, uh, did you say how many women are in the procession? I, I did not. Would you like to? What's a good number? Uh, Three, three, five, ten, eleven. It's four hundred thousand. Agatha, that's too many. (laughs) Ridiculous! You're stretching credulity at this point. I would think five to seven, maybe as many as fifteen would be the most. Yeah, six sounds good. Nice, even six. We got there. Good. All right. Uh, there's a crowd of uh, spectators starting to form around this procession of six uh, women. And less of an interest are these men who are getting dragged out into the street, getting kicked, pommeled. And one of these men getting just beat is John. But unlike some of the others who are fa- falling to the same fate right now, John has something to fight for. And so he beats back his attackers. He didn't become a corporal. Just by playing the game of networking. <laughs> no, he was good at that, no, He too. was good at it, too. It's another skill set. I don't know how armies work. Um, <laughs> and in his victory, he starts to run towards your procession and, and pushing people out of the way uh, who are starting to crowd. Josephine! <laughs> okay, at this, her her head sn- 
<laughs> her head snaps to the side to look in that direction, and mm, this is the first time that her expression changes. She, she her eyes widen with shock. Jean? No! Let me go! Jean! Biting off people. Jean! And I think this is when uh, Josephine... <laughs> what does Josephine do? Um, she... Uh, what can she do? I established that her hands are tied. <laughs> um, I think she actually... Let's say that she, she slips a knife out of her, out of her sleeve. Yes. Um, the same one that has a lot of blood on it. And um, she hacks away at the, the rope that is, that is connecting her to the, to, to, to the people in front and behind her. And she, all while frantically shouting, Jean! Jean! And then all around us, I think people are also just shouting incoherently, No! No, it's not them! You can't take them away! To, yeah, about the women. And, and, then, and then some some people are starting to pick up on what's happening, and, and others are, are helping us uh, push other people out of the way. Uh, your, Jean's cry of Josephine has become so fevered that others are taking that up as a rallying cry, and people are shouting your name. There's 15, 20 25 other people shouting Josephine. And mm-hmm. so you, your head is going, is swiveling around and you can't see the origin of it. And then from behind yeah. you is a hand. It's been around. And with that same smile in his eyes that first brought you to this <sighs> lug of a butcher's assistant is Jean. Yeah, I think there's a moment where there's the din all around us. And this is almost like an echo of um, in the very beginning of the story where people are shouting. And in the background, you see someone decking uh, one of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And there's just chaos all around us. But we are staring into each other's eyes for the first time in a while. Our, mm-hmm. our, our faces aglow. And... That's when a shot rings out. Yeah. No. <laughs> Who does it hit? <laughs> well, end scene. <laughs> oh. Yes. Oh. I have set a pattern. A bad pattern? I don't know, but... Uh, An evil pattern. Yeah, the, the way things are going, I'm going to assume the answer will eventually be both. But just looking at my map here. Uh, so... Uh, it looks like we used that card, so I drew another one. Uh, this one is the cemetery. Fighting breaks out across the cemetery with soldiers of both sides using the tombstones as a cover. And Adira, I think you're going to wrap up for us, at least Act 3. Yeah, so Amanda was in her house, not sure what was going on. Heard Tariq yelling her name, heard Tariq yelling Lodowiska's, was trying to figure out, and then was trying to undo her barricade and by the time she undoes it and opens the door she looks down into the street to see the dead Tariq is yeah there. Tariq is standing there not saying anything and staring down at Camille and then he bends down and very gently lifts Camille up into his arms and begins walking 
into your house. Amanda is in shock. She just stares slack jaw as Tariq walks up to her with me and as Tariq walks past her through the door, she turns to follow him. He walks up to uh, your bedroom and then places Camille down on the bed, draws the blanket over Camille and closes Camille's eyes. Yeah, Amanda is just standing behind Tariq, her face a mask of confusion and pain. Tariq turns around, does not look you in the eyes, walks back down the stairs, and clicks the safety off of his gun. Amanda turns, looks at Camille, and then tears just begin pouring out of her. She cries and screams and just pulls at the sheet, holds the body, and then a shadow darkens the doorway behind her. Oof. Oof. Oofa-doofa. Wow. What's next, you monster? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I wish I could tell you it's going to get better. (laughs) Um, But unfortunately, uh, justice is not always in evidence. Uh, So just checking, it looks like Amanda, Camille, Lodoiska, and I'm going to assume Jean are all confirmed dead, yes? This is based on Felix escaping with Marie, or at least for the moment. And I guess the question is, is who's your survivor, Agatha? Is it Josephine? I think think it should be Tariq. Wow. He needs to live with that guilt. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Okay, cool. And I also, I have this image of uh, Josephine and Jean dying in each other's arms. Yeah. One, One bullet just passes right through them both. Yep. Yeah. John takes out the one who shot him and he's just like, I found it. I found the side pistol. <laughs> it was right where you told me it was. I should have listened. <laughs> oh, Kill <God>. romantique. <laughs> you were right. That's my last words. You were right. Wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. Josephine's last words were, I know I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Happy Okay, I think it's appropriate. I get to read the last, uh, last of the one, last of these. Oh, sorry to bet. Um, <laughs> I didn't decide that it should be me who reads it, but I did make Camille the uh, player. Camille's player is the one who gets to read this one, because yes, I, I want the story of how everybody died <laughs> to be spoken by a child. Um, so this is the epilogue: Satori, eighteen seventy-one to eighteen seventy-two. The commune is not dead. Between 10,000 and 30,000 people died during the bloody week. Nobody knows the exact number. At Satori, disease and hunger killed many prisoners. Others were shot with no trial or only a perfunctory court-martial. In Algeria, the rebellion was crushed. The country was safe again for colonization. Some communards were put on trial. Most chose not to cooperate with the government forces, remaining contemptuous and defiant to their death. Many were sentenced to death, others deported to the colonies or given hard labor. Some managed to escape into exile. In 1881, a general amnesty was announced. Some of the surviving common yards returned home, others never did.
there are three possibilities and you must choose one of them for your surviving character. The three possibilities are to remain defiant and hope to go to a trial and, you know, state your views, to cooperate with the prosecution and hope that you will receive a lighter sentence, or to attempt to escape in all the chaos and confusion. Now, um, there are three buttons that you should see there, pull from remain defiant, pull from attempt escape, and pull from cooperate. They're sort of strung out randomly on the roll for your party room. Uh, when you've made your choice, click the button and it'll ask you how many cards you want. Just say one. And uh, then the cards will tell you uh, things. And here's where uh, the organizations that your character may or may not have belonged to may come into play because the fates are not always the same. And sometimes you will uh, do better or worse depending on who your character was. So when everyone's ready, you can go ahead and pull that, and then we'll, um, the cards have prompts for questions that we can ask. So uh, the, when you're done, uh, weave it into a narration. You don't have to read the card verbatim if you don't want to. Okay. Uh, and we each pull one, right? That is correct. I think I accidentally pulled one already. <laughs> go for it. Oh, you're let's, first. let's just run this whole thing again then. I mean, I'll... Yeah, I feel like we want to do it in order properly, so we should <laughs> that sounds good. do it over. The whole show. It's fun. Oh, the whole show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just from the start. We'll take it from the top, guys. Take it from the top. Uh, okay, so you've got your That's card, Agatha. So I, I pulled from Remain Defiant, and it says, if you are a National Guard, you are deported to New Caledonia. Am mm. I Am yes. I a National Guard? Oh, mm-hmm. I am. Right. I was a National Guard. And uh, for those of you wondering, New Caledonia is a small tropical island near Australia, and it was kind of a hill colony. Mm-hmm. What do you do yeah, that makes sweet you waves? <laughs> Sickest waves. What do you do that makes you an important prisoner? Uh, do you sympathize with the native Kanak people and their struggle for liberation? What do I do that makes me an important prisoner? I, I think after Camille's Kim- death, three kind of lost it a little. Uh, like, and I don't know who was the person that made the decision. Like, oh, let's not execute this guy. Let's just deport him. <laughs> Because that was not a wise choice. Um, <laughs> Tariq is, is, some would say, not of sound mind, but he himself knows that he, he is perfectly aware of what he is doing, of his surroundings, and of his thoughts and intentions, but he simply cannot live with it. And so what makes him respected is the fact that he becomes ferocious to the point of causing fear i would say so maybe it's not exactly respect but but people give him a wide berth and they give him space and i think he does sympathize with the native kanak people and their struggle for liberation and probably somewhere down the line while he is there uh at new caledonia uh, he he dies at the hands of the soldiers Wow, that's a bummer. Um, I should note that... that yeah, real uh, bummer, Agatha. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. sorry I'm okay, yeah, all right. Game. So th- this is, yeah, this is, this is definitely coming from the Great bummer, person. Agatha. Yeah. Okay, everybody else is going to have a good time, and we're all just trying to have a good time, and Agatha's just being real bummer. 
Great. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 Um, okay. So yeah. clear, clear. I'm sorry, Tariq is not surfing the sick waves. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but you could have had him surfing at least one gnarly wave. Clearly, this criticism was coming from the wrong person. I mean, get ready to see what Felix is doing. <laughs> um, I should note that uh, if people don't, in fact, die as a result of their choice, uh, you can also talk about whether or not your character returns to France when the amnesty is finally declared in 1880-1881. Uh, also, I'm glad I pulled this card because it was something I forgot to mention. Uh, if, if for whatever reason you would qualify for two or more of the fates on the card you get to choose whichever one you like uh, and since Louise is both a woman and a communard I get to decide between deported and death and so therefore I will go with what actually happened to the real Louise Michelle um, well no I'm going to tell you um, so uh, what happens at your trial? Do you make a grand gesture from the witness stand or simply project an air of grim defiance? Fortunately, she can do both because she refuses to give a defense to, at her trial, merely correcting the record on a few minor points that they got wrong about, you know, all the things she actually did. And uh, at her sentencing hearing, though, she has a few things to say. <laughs> she says... Since it seems that all hearts which beat for liberty only have the right to a little bit of lead, I demand my share. If you let me live, I will not cease to cry out for vengeance. I am finished. If you are not cowards, kill me. And they sentence her to New Caledonia. <laughs> because wow. they are, in fact, cowards. And that is, in fact, exactly what happened in the real the timeline. So, uh, and she, uh, she survives uh, New Caledonia. Uh, is kind of a pain in the ass there and does things like compile an amateur dictionary of Kanak and returns to France and becomes an amazing pain in the ass for the rest of her long life in France and goes to prison a few more times. That's Louise. Wow. Love her. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a very big soft spot for Louise. I'm just going to clear the uh, things that we've already handled so that it is easier to see. All right. Next up. Come up to the cage, boys. Okay, who wants it? Yeah, give me an escape, James. All right. Let's see what happens with Marie. It says, you get to ride some sick, sick waves. (laughs) You mind reading it out loud for me? Yes. Let's see. You try to escape during the confusion. If you are pregnant or a child, someone in power pities you and takes you out of Paris into their home. How long do you stay? What do you feel about your rescue? Otherwise, you are captured and shot. Yes. How does your martyrdom reflect on the commune? What memory of you can be seen in Paris in the 21st century? Sure. So I think Marie and Felix are going together, going together. Marie hands Felix some of the papers because they're about to get to a place where it might be required that it's a man talking, things like that, and then they get separated. And Felix has the papers, and Marie doesn't know what's going on, and then a uh, guard grabs her, and she tries to break free, and she's summarily shot in the street. Oh, my gosh. Yes, join me in dying. (laughs) Yeah. And Marie's martyrdom is... 
sort of played up a little more. Like, oh, she had the wine shop and everyone was there and all of these things. And she stayed and fought and died when that is not what happened. And the wine shop is still there. There's a red with a label that has a likeness of her on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Nice. That, that would totally happen, too. All right, uh, Stephen, you want to? Ch- what's what do you want to choose? What do we have? What's the one? So you can the try proper- to escape during the confusion. You can cooperate. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah. Let's do that. All right. All right. Hang on. I'll draw that for you. Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, well, this is interesting. Okay. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm gonna read this for you, Stephen. If you are in, uh, let's see. The International. Yeah, if you are in the International, uh, some friends keep you hidden until you are finally arrested in the fall. You go to prison, but only for a few years. Uh, Do you remain uh, in the International? Do you still agitate for the principles of the commune? Or uh, do you leave it all behind? Otherwise, you are shot. Well, (laughs) a member of the International... You are a member of the International. Yes! Yeah. So in the fray, I have the papers. I have friends in the International. I don't even look behind. I take the papers and I use them as bargaining chips because I don't look a thing like an Albert. I'm Felix through and through. (laughs) I need to devise my own character. I cannot become someone else. So I use that as a bartering chip as as, as for lodging and hiding. And then, as all things must end, poets do too. And you go to prison. And we go to prison. <laughs> but I get out of prison mm-hmm. using some sort of tactic like charm. And Felix boards transport out of Paris, out of France, and writes an okay received collection of poems do, do you keep the ideals of the commune or is that in the dedications in the book <laughs> absolutely kind <laughs> his head sometimes literally not at all i think i think louise writes a, a very nasty review of it <laughs> good thing critics don't bother felix <laughs> <laughs> perfect all right, let me just uh, clear this off. All right, James, what's your choice for Dominique? I think Dominique is going to try and attempt escape during the confusion. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, you're arrested. No one denounces you. So after a few months in Satori, you go free. Oh. The, the police watch you for the rest of your life. Do you still take a public <laughs> stand and go to prison several more times? Or do you keep quiet and live a life of quiet desperation? I think I'm destined for quiet desperation. Uh, she was a doctor, and I think she saw the commune at its worst. Uh, it didn't seem to accomplish terribly much, and though they spoke pretty words, all they really did is got a bunch of people killed. Um, and I think she is unhappy with the society that obviously took over and killed all of her friends, but there's nothing that she can do about that. And so... She attempts to live, and it is difficult, but that's what she's got to do because she's still alive. Well, that's a damn beat final word. <laughs> yeah, baby! Woo! Uh, but so- does she go somewhere to a beach to ride some sick waves? 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> kind and of isn't that the true meaning of the commune? Yes. <laughs> I, I'm going to allow it. <laughs> Waves crash. <laughs> Rebellions crash harder. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So that That's was... Uh, Metaphor. That was Red Carnations on a Black Grave, guys. Hooray! Yeah. Thank you so much. Oof. Catherine, thank you so much for, for sharing this game with us and, and making this game. It's one of those dramatic games that you come away with not just having like a cool emotional experience, uh, but also like I learned a ton of stuff, and that's really great. Oh, thank you so much, James. It was an absolute pleasure to come on. You guys were all really fantastic. I enjoyed playing with you guys so much. Well, listeners, uh, we should be premiering this or sometime around when the Kickstarter is up. So head over to Kickstarter and check it out. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week. But don't worry, we'll be back next week with Antological Theory, a micro game about ants arguing over philosophy. In the meantime, be sure to check out one of the other great shows on the One Shot Network, like Modifier. Modifier is an interview show hosted by Megan Dornbrock, all about why and how people change games. From the hobbyist to the professional, from house rules to publication, we all have in mind a better way to play. What's yours? You can find Modifier on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and this week... And this week, I just want everyone to call and demand that Congress act to end the abuses of detained immigrants. That's it. Full stop. Now, when I call my representatives, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There, you can find issue summaries for issues like this one if you want more details, though you should not need them, contact information for your representatives, and a script to read while you're on the phone to help you get your point across. Calling doesn't take much time, and it can be a very helpful step to ending atrocities like the ones that are unfolding right now. Let's get them, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes.